0: So, Dave, I was training the other day, and one of my training partners was in Mount, and I was trying to explain a move to him, and he looked down at me to say something, and his mouthpiece fell out onto my neck. Ew. Yeah, it was all soggy and gross and had his spit all over my neck, and I was like, this this is the worst. Yuck. Uh, And so I look up at him and I tell him, dude, you got to get a Sisu mouthguard. Sisu mouthguards are the most breathable, lightweight, flexible mouthguards on the market. I've got one. You've got one. However, not all of our training partners do. And they don't realize that they allow you to talk and breathe while you're rolling so that you can ask questions.
1: Don't be the dude who shows up at a sport and drops your mouthguard on your training partner or opponent. Well, actually, it might be a psychological advantage to do it on your opponent. But do not be the guy who drops his mouthguard on your training partner. Partner. That's disgusting. Head on over to sisugard.com. Get yourself the right mouth guard for whatever sport or activity it is that you do. Episode 24 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Sisu Mouth Guards. We are rolling. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast, episode 24. Fresh off Fight Night 89, recording this the morning after. I am David Tremonti, joined as always by Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, our mother ship. Head on over there, click on the podcast tab, you can find our archives. They are now 23 episodes deep. We've interviewed people, the likes of Art Davey, the original UFC owner, to Mark Hunt, to the immortal Matt Brown, you of course can catch us on TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever a podcast is being streamed. And if you're one of those people who likes the social media site called Twitter, actually is Twitter social media?
0: I I think that's still social media,
1: right? Are are we too old to know that? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, We are at Top Turtle MMA, and Gumby is at Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. With that out of the way, let's talk about these fights. What do you say, Gumby?
0: Yeah, uh, I really like our idea to do this show uh, Sunday right after. It's all real fresh in my mind, and hopefully you guys can get the fresh take uh, from us a little bit quicker.
1: So we'll start with the main event, what brought everyone to the dance. Really, maybe one of my favorite bits of matchmaking uh this calendar year you had rory mcdonald versus steven wonderboy thompson rory mcdonald fighting out the last fight on his contract which added a lot of intrigue to this to see what would happen where his negotiation power goes uh from here and he's going to go out on a two-fight losing streak into the free agent market wonderboy thompson uh Won a unanimous decision and uh, did so by outstriking McDonald. McDonald had somewhat of a... Uh I guess you could say um, weird
0: game plan. I, I would I, say it was the weirdest game plan since I watched BJ Penn walk around on his tippy toes.
1: And so <laughs> <laughs> let's ex- expand on that. So he did some imminari rolls, which as a I, grappler, I, we I thought, loved watching it. Yeah, but at the cool. same time, I was like, dude, shoot a double! Right. Should... He did not. He did not press the action when it came to takedowns. Um, and obviously, him and Faries came up with a game plan, and I would never question that because uh, Faries is a, a genius. But and, and Faries did some some
0: wonderful work earlier on the card too, which we'll talk about later. Tri- did Tristar even have a loss outside of Rory? Uh, oh, Co-
1: oh, is Cote tri- not Coté's, Tristar?
0: kote No.
1: Maybe. He's, it's so confusing with Canadians. I'll double-check Yeah, that. we'll,
0: we'll double-check. But but regardless, they had a pretty successful night. They
1: had a very successful night. I'll, I think the majority of their fighters won, and I'll double-check that in a second. But, you know, with Rory, I think the logic goes that he was going to try to tie up Wonderboy a little more and maybe work out of the clinch. But for whatever
0: reason, we didn't get that. Yeah, and he looked like he's trying to... You know, obviously, Wonderboy's footwork has a lot to do with that. He He stayed away. I said in the pre-fight show that I thought that... Uh, the footwork of Rory would be able to get him in close, which it obviously didn't. But it also didn't look like he was trying all that much either. At certain times, it looked like he was just trying to find boxing range. You know, stay out of kickboxing range. Yeah, stay like out of a, kicking range a, and get in boxing range. Right, a
1: little closer than uh, distance. He wanted to be kind of in his space wanted to be in the pocket. But, yeah, but not but, too close but it, and that, not too
0: far. That doesn't seem like a good game plan to me. You know, and, and obviously, you know, Furious gets paid the big bucks and, you know, Rory gets paid the big bucks and I run well, a podcast. Well, Rory
1: doesn't get paid the big bucks yet. Well, but yeah, continue. That,
0: that's good. Yeah, but they get paid better than I do. That's the, the moral of that story. So obviously I can only talk so much to that, but, you know, it would seem like a couple of Imanari roles in one, you know, double that he got in on is, is not enough for, for that game plan. Um, and, it, you know, I, I expected that same sense of urgency you saw when he fought Robbie Lawler. You know, that kind of, like, throw caution to the wind, just going to freaking, you know, make somebody bleed? It seemed
1: like in the Lawler fight, and most of his fights, he was setting everything up with his jab, and I didn't
0: think he stayed too busy with his jab. I thought he was a little... Yeah, I I mean, I didn't think he stayed too busy at all. I mean, like, you know, in those other fights, there was a sense of urgency. I'm going to pump my jab, and I'm going to make sure I get my licks in, and somebody's going to bleed at the end of this. Did you think it was a boring fight? I mean... Okay, so it was a technical fight. Right. So, it, I... At one point in time, I was like, this is kind of boring. But it was because of what I went into it expecting. I went into it expecting Rory McDonald to do what he does. To put the pressure on, throw jabs, and to hope somebody bleeds. And... What I got was Rory being really safe, and I already know Wonder Boy is safe. You know, Wonder Boy is very technical. He stays on the outside. He's he's got great movement. He's always hopping around. He
1: blitzes a little more, but it's definitely sort of that Machida school of I'm going to wait for them to engage, Absolutely. and then you're gonna I'm going to unleash a video game style
0: combination on your face. Which is why I thought that was great matchmaking on on the UFC's part is because I thought that Rory McDonald was the perfect guy to rush into that, and he was either Rory was either going to get his licks in or Rory was going to get licked, and instead, he didn't do anything. He, I, he just stayed on the outside and let it be an outside match, which he's never going to win with Wonder Boy.
1: I didn't find it boring just because I know the puzzle that is Wonder Boy, yeah, and yeah. I just have too much respect, and I, I know you it's do, super too. super technical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was just, you know, they were playing the game they thought they had to play to um, to... To, you know, master this puzzle that is Wonderboy. They weren't going to blitz in like Johnny Hendricks. When the fight started, actually, and I saw what Rory was trying to do, I thought to myself, oh, you know what this is like? This is kind of like how Misha played Holly versus how Rhonda charged in on Holly. Much like how Johnny Hendricks charged in on Wonder Boy. I know I just made a shit ton of analogies there, <laughs> but that was my feeling on it. Was he's doing the he's Misha the Tate? Smarter way. Yeah, the smarter way. The Misha Tate versus Holly way, as opposed to the Rhonda. I'm going to rush in on you
0: but, way. But here's my question for you. Then so yeah, I agree. He was being smart early on. He was picking his shots. He was he was moving in. But here's my question for you. If that was true. He has to end in that last round, knowing he's down at least three to one, right? Sure. You know, very, very much best case scenario, he won the first, lost the second, third, and fourth. Where's the urgency in the fourth? Yeah. Did not... you think he was any more urgent in the
1: or in the fifth than he was in the fourth or the third or the second? Well, it's also worth noting, and I know this was a theme everyone wanted to pick up on, myself included, was did Ro- Robbie steal Rory's soul in that last fight? And I don't think that's the case, and maybe time will tell on that um, still too early, but his nose did get broken in the fight, and apparently it got broken multiple times in the lead-up to the fight while he was training. So he said in the post-fight press conference he needs to go and get uh, surgery on that nose. So I don't know when that happened, but maybe his nose broke in the 4th or
0: 5th. Oh, I, I think it was the... You might be right, but I'm pretty sure it was the third. He hit him with a straight right. Okay, fair. I I can remember it happening because it looked like Rory was wobbly, but then I just realized he was reaching for his nose. So
1: that might explain why the sense of urgency necessary. He also also said in the post-fight he was playing a mental game with himself where when he was getting hit, he was saying, just go down. No, don't go down. I mean, he was thinking of folding.
0: Yeah, that's – that's not good. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, maybe there is something to the idea that maybe Robbie did break him because when you think about what he was, where he was with Robbie, you know. He uh, was winning that, that fight, by the well, way. And, it, the Robbie Lawler fight? Yes. Yeah, but then if you think about in the third or fourth round when Robbie started really getting his legs in, like, he just kept coming. He was like a freaking zombie until he was knocked out. Right. You know, so uh, to, to see him continuously come forth like that on Robbie and then, like, I don't know, just watch Wonder Boy, you know, dance around the ring and throw a couple of jabs. Uh, well, uh, uh, to your point
1: that you're making here, you know, if you go by the round, Rory landed four shots in the first round. He landed six in the second. Uh, you know, so that's someone who clearly and that's out of throwing 13 and 24. respectively. Yeah, so he wasn't even
0: throwing anything. Right.
1: Uh, Wonder Boy, you know, through 21 and 40, he, he threw 40 in the second round. Yeah. So.
0: Well, but that's the thing, though, too, is is. Wonderboy doesn't need the output. That's not Wonderboy's game, heavy output. That is Rory's game. Rory needs to be the heavy output guy here in order to win this fight because he's not going to outpoint Wonderboy Thompson.
1: And if it if it matters for anything, Rory was 11 of 13 off of strikes in the clinch.
0: I, I really think that's where... He could have made his money. Right. And maybe Literally. gone for a couple more
1: takedowns. Uh, also worth noting, Thompson was 16 of 17 to the leg. Rory threw one leg kick. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, that might not be his game, but you think about it with Thompson... I don't know. It's just he's a puzzle, and I guess what I want to go to next is where do you go with Thompson? I mean, first? that's title
0: shot. Yes. Instantly title shot.
1: And how? who are you picking? Let's say Woodley wins the title in August. What do you think of a Thompson versus Woodley matchup?
0: Uh, I mean, I'd take Thompson all day on that one.
1: What about if Woodley – you know, Woodley sometimes goes into scared kitty mode, and I could see Wonderboy knocking his head off. But what if Woodley was able to get inside and, like, power double him to hell? Look,
0: if Rory's not getting inside and Johnny Hendricks isn't getting inside – Fucking Tyrone Woodley is not getting inside.
1: All right, and then how would you pick uh, Lawler versus Wonderboy?
0: I'd buy some popcorn. That's all I would do. (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't pick anybody. I'd just get some popcorn and a a couple of uh, cold beverages and and sit in front of the TV.
1: I'm (laughs) almost tempted to say that I the Wonderboy Lawler matchup very much favors Wonderboy. Just because if Lawler's gonna stand and
0: trade, I mean Well and, and you know what though? I think that, you know, Lawler has that forward mentality that, that Rory Match should have had here. So I, I think that this winds up being the the fight if it winds up being, you know, Lawler versus Wonderboy, it winds up being the fight we were just promised and didn't get. Right.
1: I also, a couple other notes on it. You know, when Rory was going for the mri role, I, of course, thought to myself, well, hey, good thing uh, Thompson trains with motherfucking Ryan Hall. Yeah, why would you Iminari <laughs> role a guy who
0: trains with Ryan Hall? And I
1: really do think that, you know, Stephen Thompson, he, he's a little older, but, it, you know, if he had gotten into MMA even sooner, you're really dealing with, like, this perfect MMA fighter. He's a 57-0 and kickboxer. Whose brother in law is Chris Motherfucking Weidman and trains with Ryan Hall. It's like he's taking the best of every discipline.
0: He's doing what what uh, GSP does. He doesn't train with the best, uh, you know, MMA jitsu guy. He trains with the best jujitsu guy. Right.
1: Um, so. How about this, as far as where his career has come, from the loss to Matt Brown in 2012, where Matt Brown basically just pressure-fucked him into a unanimous decision win, he's reeled off seven in a row, he beat the former title-holder, Johnny Hendricks, and now he's beaten Rory McDonald, who's kind of always been the bridesmaid of the division, um, you know, or an up-and-comer, I guess I should say, and the darling of the division the past few years here. The, you know the man people thought was the future of the division is Steven Wonderboy Thompson now the future of the division? Could you see him going on a run where he holds this
0: belt for a few years? I, I can you know and, and it's you know in this day and age we've talked you know, on the last show about how much the belt changes hands. you know this he's the type of guy you can hang on to it for a really long time because his style is trouble for a lot of people, a real lot of people. right.
1: Um, and now I'll end on this uh, for this fight. If Rory McDonald stays in the UFC, uh where who would you like to see him matched up against next?
0: Oh, uh, that's a tough one for me because you know he is really good um but obviously he's not near a title shot anymore. I mean, you could run him with Matt Brown.
1: That that's a fight that's almost like it's surprising it hasn't happened. Yeah,
0: it, like makes a lot of sense, right? right? Yeah. That's so, a... I mean, I I'd, I'd run him with Matt Brown or something like that. I mean, th- there's a lot of good matchups at at 70 still. I mean, you could run him with Gunnar Nelson. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, which you know, so there there's fights there. Now, Um, if you go story coming off his win
1: now, Gumby, you are one of the few people on this earth who could probably tell you something about every UFC fighter on the roster. (laughs) It's like your superpower next to your flexibility. I know, you know, and you know, fighters outside of the UFC, obviously, too. I don't know how well you know Bellator's welterweight division other than, obviously, Benson and that Russian who beat him. Koreshikov. Koreshikov. Yeah. But what would you do? It's just instant title shot, obviously. It's
0: obviously instant title shot. Is there yeah.
1: anyone else that you could think of that would be a great matchup for Rory and
0: Bellator? I mean, they, they still have Paul Daly, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who keeps having a pretend fight with uh, Josh Koscheck. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of that. Uh, yeah, I'm done with that. And Not to mention, like, Josh Koscheck where is your career anyway, can, right?
1: Can I throw out another match I just thought of if Rory does stay in the UFC? What about Cerrone at 170?
0: I mean, he could fight Cerrone, but when we get to Cerrone, I'll tell you what I think for Cerrone because I actually have a matchup that I'd really like to see with Cerrone.
1: Here's my last question to you, and then we'll move on. If you are a UFC executive and you have a limited amount that you can pay a certain fighter, and Bellator offers Rory something insane, like I think they offered, uh, um, what's his name, Chandler, 150 a fight. If they offer Rory McDonald $350,000 a fight to come over to Spike TV and Bellator, are you matching that as a UFC executive or off the two-fight losing streak? Are you just
0: saying, hey, Rory, best of luck? So here, here's the thing. So if it was me running a fight promotion, I sign him. And the reason I sign him is because I think he's one of the best in the world. You're and breaking it, the bank for it, him. And maybe not breaking the bank, but d- dude, 350 a fight. The dude's going to fight twice a year. He's not going to break your bank. Um, but from a UFC standpoint, I think they just let him walk at, at that kind of price. And here's why. The dude is not super marketable. Mm
2: -hmm. I mean,
0: if you think about, like, how many times you've gotten, like, jacked up for one of his fights, it's never because he's running his mouth. He doesn't do anything to sell his fights. You know, have you ever heard Rory McDonald on the mic? I mean, I
1: actually kind of like him on the mic because Because he doesn't say shit. Yeah, Yeah, it's like almost funny,
0: but I know exactly what you're saying. It's like Gunnar Nelson syndrome, right? right? Like Gunnar Nelson, it's like he gets on the mic and you're about to laugh because he's not going to say anything. Right. Um, Um,
1: But I know exactly what you're saying. But the
0: UFC doesn't want that. They they don't need a guy like that to sell their fights. So, I I mean, like, he has none of the extra stuff to go along with it that will will up his his offer. You know what I mean? He's got... Good fighting skills, but he's got no mic skills. He doesn't promote his own fights. Uh, You know, his name on the marquee does does nothing for the fight card. You know, I I think they just let him walk.
1: So the two, uh, and we can wrap up now, but the two interesting things just to note is I believe that Faraz and obviously GSP have a very good relationship with the UFC. Much like when I said I don't think Al will walk just because of the relationship Sarah Longo have with the UFC. Mm -hmm. I do hold out hope that maybe just the tri-star relationship to the UFC Might might help. And then... I also um, have to look back on, you know, when Alistar Overeem went into free agency, and we all said, oh, that's a big free agent for Bellator to get. Big name. He's a heavyweight. The UFC did what it had to and ponied up for him. So maybe we'll get a bit of that. But again, two
0: fight losing streak. And, and the other thing there, too, is Alistar sells himself. And, you know, you put Alistar's name on a card, everybody's like, we're about to get some violence. Right. I mean, you don't, especially after that last night's fight, you certainly don't say that about Rory Mack. Right.
1: Um, All right. So moving on in the co-main event, uh, 170 pounds, Donald Cerrone got the win over Patrick Cote. TKO stoppage in the third round. He had three knockdowns in the fight. Cote has won. Tough motherfucker to put away, but Cerrone was able to. Uh,
0: what are your thoughts? Uh, Cerrone's a bad man at 170. I think he might even be tougher at 170 than he I is was gonna down ask, at 55.
1: You, you think it's like maybe not draining himself with the
0: weight cut? or I don't know what it is, but you, know, you look at him at 170, and he's stuffing takedowns way better than he was before. It seems like his punches have more on him. I mean, like, Cote, correct me if I'm wrong, Cote has never been TKO'd. Uh, I think you might be right. I'm pretty sure unless you count uh, Anderson Silva getting technical TKO on him because his leg shattered, Um, I'm not sure he's ever been knocked out. uh,
1: Yeah, one other one. Wait, let's just see. Is it
0: the Anderson Silva TKO? Because that one's not even really a TKO. Yeah, it was the Anderson Silva TKO. Yeah, Yeah. so he's never been knocked out, man. So to see him, there were like three or four times where I was like, damn, he's out. And then he, like, came to, and then Cerrone put it on him again. And you'd just be like, damn. Yeah, he's
1: a tough Canadian.
0: Yeah, so, he, I mean, he's, like, a tough dude and still nothing for Cerrone. Absolutely nothing for Cerrone. Um, so, I, I mean, I like where Cerrone's at. His, his grappling looked good, too. That I mean, not enough could be said for the way he took uh, Cote's back in that, that action.
1: All right, so where do you go with the winner, Donald Cerrone?
0: What's uh, your matchup? I'm so glad you asked because the one I want to see him fight is, is Demian Maya. Ooh. I would love a Demian Maia uh, Cerrone fight because, you know, you get to see Cerrone striking, whether or not his takedown defense. His takedown defense was good enough for Cote. Let's put him against the guy who seems to be the best in the division <laughs> at it now. Uh, you know, it would test Maia's striking. It would test his grappling. I mean, there's, there's so much that could come out of that. And plus, one of two things happen. Donald Cerrone wins proves that he's one of the best at 170, and he's ready for a title shot. I mean, if he beat Demian Maya, would you say that he's not ready for a title shot? At 170?
1: I gotta be honest with you. If he beat Maya? Well, I mean, so, okay,
0: he'd be 3-0. and welterweight
1: stacked, dude. I know
0: welterweight stacked, but he would have a win over Kote and Maya like I, that. You're gonna tell me Kote is... Okay, is not, like, the end-all-be-all of the division, but look at how he looked in it. Who else would you put in front of him? Uh, I don't know. Carl- Say you booked if, that for 203 and he wins at 203. If Well, talk to me about who the champion is. Like, if... If, okay, so it's Wonder Boy versus Robbie Lawler in the the main event of UFC 204. I, I mean, I
1: myself would like to see Condit versus Wonder Boy. Ah, Condit! Shit, I forgot about Condit. Or, or then Nick Diaz is coming back. I'm with you though. Hey, I'm you could saying.
0: you could put Condit with with Donald Cerrone too. That would be a bad fight. That'd be a bad fight. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, you're right though. Actually, he can make some moves here. Um, you know, if you just vault him right up to the top right now, yeah, Might as well. Put or him. I wouldn't yeah. mind. What about him versus Hendricks too? Hendricks uh, is a former champion. Tu- I don't like Hendricks off of a
0: loss. I, I want to give him somebody on a win. Yeah. So that's why I picked Maya instead of Condit. Well, Condit's still like a, a freaking sweet fight. But Condit looked way better in his loss than Hendricks did.
1: I guess my point is that division stack, there are a lot of big names at the top. I don't know that if he just went out and beat Damian Maya this summer that I'm like, yeah, title shot. But I the, wouldn't mind The other thing more.
0: you're forgetting, though, too, is he's the most marketable guy on the roster. He is the most marketable guy. <laughs> you know, and it, with the exception of maybe... You know, obviously Connor and Ron. Well, I
1: also think there's going to be something to be said for when the dust settles after Nate Diaz and Connor at 170, which I know that's a side story for another day, but that
0: for every day C- Cerrone,
1: <laughs> you could match up Cerrone with the winner of that fight at well, 170 and sell a billion. You Cerrone know, said he did want Nate Diaz in right. the post
0: fight presser. Because so. he has
1: a loss to Nate Diaz that he probably wants to avenge.
0: Yeah, but. I mean, for me, as far as... I mean, he's saying he wants the money-weight fights or whatever. For me, vault him to the top of 170. If he can hang... Start setting him up for a title shot. And if he can't hang, send him back down to 155 where he can start making his money weight fights. Uh,
1: worth noting that Cerrone got a fight of the night, or sorry, not fight of the night, a performance of the night bonus for 50000 And then had some uh, underhanded comments in the post-fight press conference. That he how, still doesn't think he's being appreciated. Yeah, and to me, I think this is a non-issue. I think him and Dana and the Fertittas have an excellent relationship. They love him. They'll pay him some undisclosed locker room bonus that we'll never hear about. And he'll never say another word about pay again i don't think this is going to be an issue going forward I, I don't think so either he's also
0: like isn't he like locked down for like six more fights yeah or something like it's that. just cowboy he's, being cowboy yeah it's he's just, a cowboy yeah he, this is what cowboys are supposed he to He runs do. his mouth like that intentionally
1: um all right so we'll move on there I, unless you want to just say cote do you have like a has he has he ever fought Terek Savanin?
0: He hasn't. Yeah, that would be a good fight then. That's... Tarek fresh off a loss, Kote fresh off a loss, both kind of mid link yeah the division. Yeah,
1: both fun striking. Yeah, and could Safadine
0: would... knock him out. Could Safadine knock him out? Could you know Kote get in on a double? You know, that kind of stuff.
1: All right, then the fight of the night was Steven oh, Bosse defeating right. Sean O'Connell via unanimous decision. Bosse got knocked down in the first round, looked like the fight was over, came back. They just traded like a barroom brawl, fun fight, potential fight of the year, maybe not the most technical, what were your thoughts?
0: So my first thought was, uh, I hope nobody listens to last week's episode because I made maybe the most asinine comment I've ever made.
1: I mean, I was here and I don't remember. Yeah, what, you what don't remember?
0: It? That's great. Because what I said was, uh, I had to question Sean O'Connell's chin after his loss to Elor Latifi. <laughs> and if there was one thing that you absolutely could not question after last night, I mean, it's Sean O'Connell's chin. Both I mean, that ch- thing is freaking rock hard. Yeah. And same with Boche, Uh I mean, like, both of them just took violent blows, and, and just kept coming forward. It, it was really, really fun to watch. That was enough to make up for all of the people who were upset that the main event was so technical. That's I mean, true. Yeah. I, I mean that that co-mate or the well not combate the third to last fight was just all the violence you needed in the entire night, right there. And I mean. Cerrone brought the violence too. So you got like a nice double batch of it right leading into a technical main event. Um, do you have thoughts on where you would send each fighter? I mean, I don't really because to be honest with you, I, I don't think that did particularly a lot for either of their career. Right. I mean, Well, I
1: think the I think the UFC as a promotion and as matchmakers, they're happy. They, with both fighters, they're,
0: they're really happy with both fighters. Both guys got a nice little bonus check to, to fill their pockets. Both of them will stay on the roster even with a couple of losses in a row because they like did the UFC good there. Right. You know, I mean, you know, O'Connell's lost at least two in a row, maybe three in a row now. Uh, but I bet you he still gets another fight in the UFC just because he put on a show. He put on and, a show. Uh, I and think that's they'll what take. They I think they'll take care of both of them for that reason. But I don't think. Uh, you know there's any vaulting up the the rankings for bosi the um,
1: so he is now 3-3 three and three in the UFC, coming off two losses in a row. He did beat Anthony Peroche back in oh, May right, of 2015. Right. Yeah. So, That's yeah. when
0: they played rock, paper, scissors at the weigh-in. It was a good one. Is that right? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, Peroche puts up his fist like he's going to do like a fighting pose and uh, O'Connell slams his hand into his fist and covers it with paper. It was pretty funny. Very cute. <laughs> um,
1: Olivier Aubame-Marcier beat uh, T-Balt Gauti with a rear naked choke in the third round. Uh, I thought Gauti had some moments in this fight his striking looked good the right? striking looked good i thought the same thing also thought you know as much as i love Jits, there were some times oam falls in love with his Jits and puts himself in bad situations um there was like a it might have been like it, a he almost length.
0: looks like he'd be a better submission grappler than he would be a, an mma right player. yeah, yeah fan. i agree with that definitely. so
1: so what were kind of your takeaways like is oam a future contender here? I, I what do we have in I OAM? I still
0: really believe in him as a future contender because I remember watching his finale with Chad Leprise uh, and thinking the the better fighter did not win this fight. Because as much as I like Chad Leprise, I knew OAM is going to be the better fighter in the long run. But at the same time, I was like, this is very much a kid who needs to be walked up the rankings, not sprinted up, not vaulted up. He needs to be walked up the rankings slowly the, somebody like T-Ball Gauti just gave him a whole bunch of crap in that fight. You know what I mean? Like, if, if he was a prospect that needed to be vaulted, somebody like Aljamain Sterling, who instantly were like, put him at the top of the vision Or somebody like, you know, uh, Thomas Almeida, who were like, just give the dude a title shot already. If he was one of those types of guys, he wouldn't have had that much trouble.
1: Um, Henzo Gracie says, Jiu-Jitsu is like the American Express card. Never leave home without it. And I think it's worth noting that this was one of three rear naked chokes to have him yeah. in the third round yeah. off of fighters that were putting up big fights. Um, but I agree with you not sprinting him up the rankings. Do you have maybe a fight off the top of your head where you would go with him that's not necessarily like – Maybe a top 15 guy, or maybe you do want him against someone. I, I don't want him in the
0: top 15. So okay. he's, uh, remind me of the weight class again, he's he's 55? No, he's 170. 70. 70, 70. Yeah. Um, let's see, middling guys in the 70 division. Ah, oh, geez, that's tough for me. Yeah, that.
1: I mean, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but let me just give you kind of uh, who might be
0: like in the in the like fifteen to twenty range. Yeah,
1: this is off, and I love this uh, this website actually, rankingmma.com. dot com. Oh, never heard of it. Yeah, they'll they'll go all. They
0: rank. They try to rank the whole the whole damn the thing. Whole damn thing. Yeah. So all eighty two. And I can, I can give props to them, too, because I was doing that for a while for MMA manifesto. We, a we discontinued it. It's such a pain in the ass. Uh,
1: Mickey Gall is ranked 82. <laughs> the but, um, Mickey so Gall. It, oh, give him CM Punk. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so if you looked in, like, the 20 to 15 range, you have a Ryan LaFleur, a Tiago Alves, Jorge Masvidal, Lorenz Larkin that's actually even too good for i think what you want to do in the 20s you have a worley alves a Brian barberena um, i'll tell you what, colby early, covington early,
0: yeah earlier on the card colby covington that's looked good one, damn right? good he got his own rear naked choke and uh, you know that's that's more what i'm looking for you know i think somebody like tiago alves right now is just too much for him uh at this young stage in his career he needs something a little Easier than that Well said Um,
1: And then kicking off the main card was A beast of a fight actually I I like both these two girls Both very tough Joanna Calderwood uh, beat Valerie Letourneau With a vicious body kick Looked like a booby kick at first (laughs) um, But it it was uh, I think it just got her Solar plexus Solar plexus ribs area Yeah I think she broke a
0: rib to be honest with you
1: That was in the third round And Calderwood has some really unique striking You saw a back fist that dropped Letourneau early in the fight Very impressed with Calderwood You know, I don't know. um, Is she like, I think uh, JJ, and this is easy to say, I think
0: JJ would chew her the fuck up, but she's a fun fighter and one to watch. Well, here's what I'm saying too. So uh, I think this fight was an audition to add the 125 pound division, just like I thought Cyborg coming down was them trying to test out whether or not a 45 pound division would do any good. So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, after a fight like that, it's very clear that both of those women are better at 125 than they are at 115. Right. I mean, like, is there any doubt that both of them look... And even Latourno in a loss, looked better than she did against Jan Jacek. Um, I mean, like you said, JoJo's freaking, uh, it, you know... Diverse striking. Yeah, diverse striking, I guess is the best way you could put it. Uh, looked so good, and, and it made Latorno look worse. But Latorno didn't look bad either. Um, so I would say, you know, if if you kept this 125 pound division around, she'd be a force to reckon with there. Um, as for if she goes back down, I think another reason why she looked so good was not just the weight cut, but you know she she changed training camps to Tristar. Yeah, she's now training with Firas. So, which to me, this was one of Firas' you know best masterpieces of the night. Was she went from looking like somebody who like could win every fight, but probably won't. To somebody who looks like they can smash a bunch of people. Right.
1: So do you have, um, let's say, a Joanna Calderwood, any matchup you could think of, maybe someone else you'd want to put at 125 against her if she cuts back down to 115? I mean,
0: if she cuts back down to 115, which I think is the most likely scenario, um, you know, somebody like Tisha Torres would be a fun fight for her. Good one. Yeah. You know, Rose Yunus if you're not going to give her a title shot. Yeah, actually, sign me up. I'm pretty sure those two fought on the Ultimate Fighter season. Um, Um, If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Yunus got an arm bar in the second round. I think you're right, actually. And I could be wrong on that, but neither of them are the same fighter now. That was, you know, a uh, uh, exhibition bout and then it was a fighter season.
1: Rose Namajunas got a Kimura in the second round. Kimura in the second yeah, round. That's right. It was
0: set up with her like funky armbar position and then she switched it to a Kimura. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say those two would be really fun because they're not the same as they were when that happened. Right.
1: Um, all right. Good. Good call. So now we get to the prelims and we'll go rapid fire through these. Jason Sago beat Leandro
0: Silva. Yeah, it look great. Didn't he? I mean, like I, I, thought he looked good the whole way through. Um, friend of the show, friend of the show, gotta love it. Uh, friend of the shows had had a pretty good time. What did we? Did we get two wins? Uh, yeah. Th- well, Cote, uh, we we went oh, two and two. Oh, of the Co- show. so Cote lost and our girl lost. Uh, oh, Joanna Limbarger. Oh, and and Alvy lost too. You forgot Alvy's a friend of the oh, show. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So we went two and three. Ooh, God damn it! Not as good as I thought we'd be.
1: <laughs> um, but with Sago, uh, the Canadian, uh, you know, he. Uh, he looked good all around. Do you have any thoughts, you know, for him? Just keep on moving up. Yeah, the just ranks. keep
0: on moving up. Leandro Silva is the biggest step for him so far. So again, you know, one of those guys in towards the middle, you yeah. know, is, is going to do him more good than anything. Um, and it's good for him to get on a roll finally.
1: Now on a two fight win streak, and then you had Misha Serkinov with a arm triangle choke in the third round, another submission in the third that, round. That went... So fast, so fast, like butter, baby. It was Beating. on and it was over. He beat Ian Kutaleba making his UFC debut. He's out of the Eastern Caucasus, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was it Moldova, dude. That dude looks like a beast, and I think his future is very bright. His yeah, Kutalaba, you you're talking yeah, about right. Kutalaba. I I didn't like this matchmaking just because I thought it's like these you know Serkinov has cemented himself as the prospect to watch at 205, and Kutaleba could be a future prospect. Tough match, and you just there. threw
0: them together. And it, I don't I I don't think it did. Enough for Misha either because I think if you gave Misha somebody like Shogun Hua, he'd, he'd have steamrolled him, yeah, and then he would have that name on his resume. So
1: I'll answer the question I was about to ask you, which is who do you pair Misha Sirkinov up against? And for me, and I always like this kind of matchmaking, give him the biggest name possible on their way out a uh, you know, a Shogun, a
0: Rashad. I don't care. Give him, give him, uh, little oak coming off the wind, sure. Yeah, because if Little No can beat Patrick Cummins, let's see if he can beat Misha Serkinov. I, I, I'd also like to see him with somebody like Jimmy Manoa. Oh, that's good. You yeah, know, yeah, Jimmy Manoa strikes pretty well. Striker extraordinary. Uh, but, but he seems to have trouble with the really top tier guys in the division. So see if he could beat him. That's a good one.
1: Um, and with Kudoleba prospect, just keep him moving up the ranks. I could see him going on like a three-fight win streak as he goes against the bottom
0: at you know the bottom
1: end. Of that right, division.
0: yeah, right out of the after the loss.
1: Jacko, Jocko, uh, with the, one of the bigger upsets of the night, beat Tamden McRory uh, KO in the first round. No one saw that one coming.
0: Uh, certainly not me. You know, I, I, I'm one of the the biggest supporters of the Barn Cats comeback.
1: The Barn cat uh, and, and you know, he got
0: caught. That I mean, that just happens. Uh, stiffened up like a board. He, he did get really stiff. Um, the, Jocko is, is is a killer. I mean, he's four had fight a, win streak now. Four fight win streak, super underrated win streak. Uh, and you got to appreciate he's Polish, right? I believe so. Jo- yeah. Christoph Jocko sounds pretty Polish. Yep, he's yeah, out of Poland. You got to support the Poles. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, good fight for Jocko. But again, I, I'm not sure how far you vault him up for a win that looks like he just caught a guy who's. And the three wins prior were just
1: decisions. So, But yeah. nice
0: to see him unleash some power with the punch,
1: there. get the finish. That always looks good on the highlight reel. Joe Soto uh, beat Chris Beal. Beal looked – I'm pretty be- sure Beal was beating him. Yeah, I think Beal had – I had
0: Beal on the cards until that happened. Had
1: the advantage going into the third round, but Soto got him with a rear naked choke, saved his job. He was on a three-fight. Yeah, there's streak. no way
0: he gets another fight if he loses that one. And I'm going to say, honestly, I don't think Beale gets another one. I, I mean, uh, he's not exciting enough to, like, just merit one, you know – based on the fact that he's you know
1: that was his third loss in a third row. loss
0: in a row is he exciting enough to keep him on with three losses in a row i mean he's not leonard garcia leonard garcia could lose 14 in a row and keep his job right <laughs>
1: um so night night chris beal uh and then in the fight past prelims uh elias theodoro and his pert plus great hair no plus hair <laughs> beat sam alvey in what everyone's calling a boring fight but theodoro just basically did what he had to do
0: um and yeah, got the i win. mean you could say boring fight but who the hell would want to stand in front of sam Melody's right hand. That's true. Yeah, not me. Theodoro did that. what
1: he had to do. Yeah. Uh, Random Marcos beat our girl, Jocelyn Jones, Liebarger.
0: Liebarger looked good though. I will say that what, what we toted about her was that she had good enough wrestling events to make Marcos have to stand and trade with her. And to, to her defense, she did to some extent. I mean, Marcos had to box her a little bit. Um, Marcos's boxing just looked better than it ever had.
1: Lybarger on a two-fight losing streak, her next one will probably be to keep her job. And then you had Colby Covington at welterweight beat Jonathan
0: Miner with a RNC in the third round. He, and it, he was dominating up into that point too. I mean, he just got takedowns whenever he wanted them. Um, Covington is a hell of a prospect. People forget that, you know, uh, what is that three fight win streak for him? Well, that's the thing.
1: He was on a three fight win streak, then ran into a guy by the name of Warley Alves, oh, yeah, exactly, and choked him. But now it's four out of five. Yeah.
0: So I mean, Warley Alves is like a killer. So the fact that he didn't beat Warley Alves, I mean, like. No shame in that. And they I beat mean,
1: Mike, veteran Mike Pyle by decision back yeah, at UFC 187. He's a
0: very legitimate prospect there, too. And like I said, I'd love to see him uh, against some of those guys a little further up in the card that we talked about. Already did our
1: matchmaking there. Yep. And then kicking off the whole show, you had Ali Bagatinov beat... Uh, Gian Herrera via unanimous decision, but this was all Bogatinoff all day for the most part. Yeah,
0: and you kind of expected that. I mean, he's coming off of a title fight, albeit that he did pop for steroids in there, but you still would expect him to beat somebody like Gene Herrera coming off of that. Yeah.
1: Um, actually, he's coming off a loss to Joseph Benavides. Oh, right, that he was had that snuck after. In there. Yep. Yeah. So he he tested he was positive,
0: then lost to Benavides, yeah. which everybody loses to Benavides yes. unless your name's Mighty Mouth. So
1: he's going to try to claw back up the rankings, but he's lost to the number one and number two fighters
0: in the division. He Benavidez. had popped for steroids, which isn't going to do him any good in the the matchmaking. So
1: there you have it, Gumby. Uh, good fight night all around. I think Ottawa got their money's worth, even though I hear there was no AC in the building. Uh-huh. Um, but it's Ottawa,
0: it's cold up there anyway, right? Yeah, calm down. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, you complainers about no AC.
1: We will now kick to our interview with Michael McDonald, who fights John Lineker in South Dakota next month, and uh, we got a chance to catch up with him, which we will play for you right now. This interview, as always, is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting, mine and Gumby's home gym in Western Massachusetts, Amherst, Massachusetts to be exact. We went to a tournament yesterday, took home four medals. Love me some New England submission fighting. They bring you our interview with Michael McDonald.
0: This is Daniel Gumby Freeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonti, and we are talking to Michael Mayday McDonald, who fights at UFC Sioux Falls. He is the co-main event against John Lineker, and that is on July 13th. Uh, Michael, let's kick right into it. Um, Your last fight was maybe one of the craziest shifts in momentum I've ever seen in my history watching MMA. Uh, what was going through your mind when Kanahara was that close, seemingly to finishing you?
2: Wow. Um, well, obviously you realize the sense of urgency and, and the danger. Um, so that's obviously going through your mind when something like that happens. Um, you know, but just like I said in, in the, uh, the post fight interview, I just got Hennibel flashbacks, and um, I remember. With a Hindenborough fight, when he caught me in an arm triangle, I felt like I could have got out if I exploded. And uh, I, I I mean, I don't get caught in training in an arm triangle that much, but when I did get caught in an arm triangle, I used that escape. And I felt like I could have done it um, in a brow fight, and, and I, I always had hesitation because I didn't explode. Um, I, I would have rather just tried to explode out or pass out um, instead, of, instead of tapping from it. So I didn't want to let that happen again. I, I, I either wanted to explode or uh or pass out and i ended up getting out on time
1: now you mentioned you thought about either exploding out or just passing out are you of the mindset that it's better not to tap and would you rather just get choked
2: out oh if it's a choke then um if you can i mean yeah that's cool i mean you, you don't want to deal with joint locks because it's, that's just stupid you, the fight's gonna end it either way you know and might as well go home not injured so you can keep the training up Um, but yeah, if it's a, if it's a choke, um, I mean, in theory, I mean, there's even two different kinds of chokes, you know, one is a pass out choke and the other one is when you, you're lacking air, you know, you get cut your, the blood gets cut off or the air gets cut off. And it's, if your air gets cut off, that you can't, um, pass out from that. That'll kill you. That's like suffocation. You know, you don't pass out from those. So that's something that someone has to tap from it if it's an air choke. But if it's a blood choke, you know, I don't have a problem fighting, you know, to the last minute until
0: I I pass out. Yeah, and and so you mentioned in there, too, uh, you know, being willing to, you know, pass out but not being willing to deal with joint locks. Obviously, injuries is something that you've had, uh, you know, quite a history with. You spent over two years in between fights, um, you know, in between the Kanahara fight and the fight before that. Um, You know, there's been a lot out there about what happens in between injuries and, and ring rust and stuff like that. Um, was there any any doubt that you were going to make it back, you know, or was there, you know, moments that were, you know, much darker than uh, obviously others?
2: No, I, I never questioned whether I would go back or not. Um, that was never really a question. I mean, while it was happening and I, you know, was going through these injuries and all this kind of stuff, I did try, uh, I mean, I... I, I, I'm a woodworker, so I, I did that in, uh, in in my spare time, you know, and, and, and built a little bit of a business there. I had a few inventions and things like that. Um, you know, I, I love I love building and, and and doing stuff with my hands. So I, I did that, and you know, I, I mean, I, I, if one of them took off, and you know, it was a you know multi million dollar jackpot, then I probably would have taken a little bit more of a break, you know. But um, no, it was never. Just never, like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to come back. I knew I
1: was going to come back. Yeah, and, you know, the, the man who sits on top of your weight class, Dominic Cruz, also went through some fame troubles with injuries, and he was out for about the same amount of time between fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was that somewhat of a motivation to you, seeing how he was able to come back? Did that kind of stick out in your mind as something to, you know, aspire to?
2: No, I... You know, you can't really look up to your opponents and your, uh, your, your, the other people in your division so much. Um, that's not really how it goes. I mean, you have to look at all the other people in your division critically and, um, you know, seeing what they're doing wrong. And, um, yeah, just, just from that standpoint, a very critical standpoint. So I, I was never, like, inspired by it or anything. Um, more so just looking at his mistakes and, and things that he's done to prolong his injuries. And to, to make it even harder for him to recover, you know, I mean, um, like, I, I think he's an incredible fighter, obviously. He's at the top of the division right now. But, you know, he's made a lot of mistakes that I see with, with his injuries. Um, you know, I, I remember when he was during the Ultimate Fighter, you know, and he, he I think he tore his ACL at that time, and he said, you know, a normal normal person recovers from this, and, you know, I don't know what he said, you know. Six months, so that's three months for me. You know, and that, that's not how it works. You know, everybody's body. It, it should have took him six months. You know, so stuff like that. You know, I think uh, rushing in, into the, uh, the fights and into, into, into training. You know, um, you know, I, I think Cruz is an incredibly mentally strong fighter and wants to push his body, you know, to the limits. And I and I, I think that um, it, that has been a big problem with his injuries. And I think if he listens to his body a little bit more, then I think that he could have avoided a lot of them and recovered a lot faster. And that's kind of what I would look at, you know, um, you know, looking at Cruz and all the hit injuries, just trying to learn from that so that I don't have to experience it firsthand.
1: Yeah, very interesting perspective. And, and something I think a lot of people say about Cain Velasquez as well, uh, just about him pushing his body too hard. I do wonder, do you believe in the idea of ring rust? Did you feel that you had any ring rust in the Kanahara fight?
2: That, that's a tough question. Um, I, I want to say no, because that's what I've always said is no. Um, but when I look at that performance, I don't think it was as good as my others. others but at the same time, in training, I, I was doing great. You know, I, I, but um, Kanahara, um, he, he was by far the best grappler I've ever faced in my life. Um, I've had Uriah favor on top of me. I've had and Brow on top of me. I've, uh, you know taken the the U.S. Open for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu three times, I've faced incredible grapplers in in my career, and Kane is was by far the best. Um, So it it was a surprise how great of a grappler he was and how how incredible his pressure was. So that was was surprising. Um, But, I mean, when when I wasn't just sitting there trying to fight him off of me or making little mistakes, um, you know, I, I think that I did well, you know. I mean, in the first, you know, 30 seconds, I mean, I, I drilled that guy. It looked like his, his neck was going to break, you know. My, my striking was crisp. My training was good. You know, so I, I, I really don't want to say, yes, I believe in Ringlust. Um, I, I think, yes, my, that, that, that fight was a lot closer than most of my fights, but I, I really accredit that to Kanahara being that good of a grappler.
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, on the, the note that he's the best grappler, I mean, if you look at the guys who are, who are the top in your division right now, Dominic Cruz, uh, Brian Caraway, uh, TJ Dillashaw, Algermaine Sterling, you know, those guys who are towards the top of the division, for the most part, are all grapple first guys? Do you feel that you know having a win over somebody who you say is you know an even better grappler than Barao and all the Faber and all the other ones you face? Do you feel like that really gives you a leg up on the division, and that you have you know sort of the answer for what this uh, the top of the division holds?
2: Well, I mean, I think I do. I mean, you know, I have to wait and prove it and to see if I can, but I think I do. Um, it, what I would say is it was a good experience to. I mean, I mean, it's rare um, that I get like um, like handled, you know, by someone like I- anywhere even close to my weight. Um, you know, my, my explosiveness and, and my, my technique um, can can save me from a lot of things. Um, but man, he he just sh- shut down all my big movements. Um, I, I look back at that fight and I saw how I did a lot of, um, you know, really high-risk, high-reward moves, you know, um, even, like, with putting my hand uh, like, in in a position that it was, I mean, he was so patient, and just inch by inch by inch, kept capitalizing on these high-risk, high-reward moves, he always had good cage position, um, and, and, and and it was a good experience to, to see someone exploit my, my weaknesses like that, um, it, it, because I feel like I've, I've gone home and fixed all of them. I don't feel like, you know, if, I, if that fight went over, I, I don't feel like any of those things would happen that way. Um, you know, so it, it's always good to, like, like you've, you've heard people say you get the most um, knowledge, you get the most out of your losses because you learn so much about yourself. And it's good to learn so much about yourself like you would in a loss by your um, weaknesses being exposed but not have to lose. That's, that's a really cool thing.
1: Absolutely. And now with your opponent coming up, John Lineker, uh, known for his power, uh, three TKOs, one KO in the UFC, obviously not going to give a, give away the game plan, but how are you kind of preparing to deal with his striking? What What's your take on that? Is it something, you know, is that top of the list of concerns for this fight?
2: No, I, I, I don't have a problem saying that I'm, I'm not going to change my game plan for anybody. I'm going to make sure that I'm well-rounded and I'm going to play me. He, he's going to have to, he's going to have to be anti-Michael McDonald. Um, I'm not going to play anti-John Lennon. You know, I'm, I'm going to be me. And when I'm, when I'm me, I feel like I'm the most dangerous fighter in the world. Um, I, I, I'll say that when I'm doing me, my game plan, I would not want to fight me more than I would not want to fight anyone else in the world. So, if that makes any sense. Um, it does. No,
1: it absolutely does. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm getting chills just from you saying it, because we've seen you, you know, when you were at your best before the injury and everything, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, you're right in the mix at the top of the division, and the division, honestly, has never been more exciting. I don't think I can remember a time for the UFC Bantamweight division where more guys, I felt like more guys had a chance to be at the top, and, and you're right there, and, you know, I think everyone's just excited to see you back and healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean, to your question, you know, how am I going to deal with, you know, John's um, John's strengths? I, I, honestly, I, I think it's more so how he's going to deal with mine. I, I, that's kind of how I think about it. I'm just, I'm just going to be me, and I think what I'm doing, what I'm best at, I don't think anybody can hang with me in it.
1: Well, there you have it. The fight is at UFC Fight Night 91. Uh, that is in July. It will be John Lineker versus Michael McDonald and Michael. We cannot thank you enough for the time. We wish you luck in the fight and, uh, and we hope to have you on again soon.
2: All right. Thank you guys. Have a good day.
1: All right. There you have it. Gumby Michael McDonald.
0: Yeah, uh, fun guy to talk to. I, I love his perspective on that, uh, you know, arm triangle and his you know mentality switch. Uh, certainly going to be really helpful for him against a guy like John Lineker.
1: All right, so wrapping up, another good show in the books. But we did, and we owe it to ourselves to just talk about what a crazy weekend we had. A lot of fights Friday and Saturday.
0: Yeah, RFA, Bellator, World Series of Fighting. There was a lot of a sh- lot of shit this weekend. Did
1: you like? Uh, was there any fight? That oh, and per- EFN.
0: EFN is, is which Fador. the
1: Fedor <sighs> fight. Man, first of all. The UFC needs to hire that announcer. I love how he called him Fabio Maldonada instead of Maldonado. Maldonado, um, that's that's uh,
0: Mike I, right I Goldberg. esque I prefer the Goldberg. Sign
1: me up for that guy. I loved him. He was like the crowd is ch-, or the crowd is chanting Fedor Fedor. That means they like Fedor. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so anyway, uh, what do you think as far as Fedor coming to the UFC? Not looking too good right now.
0: Uh, I. Although I say this after a lot of his fights, I've lost a lot of interest in the Fedor allure, so to speak. I I mean, like, he definitely just got it put him on by, by Fabio Maldonado. When was the last meaningful win you saw Fabio Maldonado have?
1: I mean, the last time I was impressed was just how long it took Glover to put Fabio Maldonado away. Or or how long it took Rampage to put him away. Exactly.
0: That that was like his allure. He was like the guy at the carnival where you can pay a dollar to punch him in the face Mm -hmm. and he's not knocked out. That
1: is Fabio Maldonado's career
0: in a nutshell. So, yeah, he's just a tough guy. But he's just a tough guy who many thought was about to beat Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah. I I mean, like... In that first round, is there any doubt in your mind that he just, like, absolutely was inches away from uh, the biggest victory his career could ever have? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I lose interest in Fedor pretty quickly there.
1: What other fights from the weekend did you like? Uh, I really like
0: the, the main event of World Series of Fighting 31 down in Connecticut, uh, you know. Uh, their champion took on uh, Josh Cudley Bear Copeland, uh, and, you know, they, they put together a pretty good fight. Blood everywhere. Uh, Who won? Uh, Ivanov, Bl- Blagov, Ivanov, their, their Bulgarian champion. Um and he looked really good. He won a decision, but not without getting really bloody first. Um, if you watch RFA, RFA had some really good fights. One of my favorite prospects to watch out of the lab, Jordan Johnson, uh, won again by submission. He's won all five of his pro fights, four of them by submission, including an Anaconda choke in there. Wow! Um, so he's a really fun one to watch, and he's a 205 prospect. UFC, you need a couple more of those. <laughs> yeah, so Ivanov beat Copeland. Oh, and yeah, and, and uh, Jason High knocked out Mike Ricci, too. Uh, which is pretty damn impressive because Mike Ricci was on a roll. Nice.
1: Well, that about does it for us. This has been another great episode of Top Turtle MMA. We so appreciate the download or however it is you get us in your eardrum. You can email the show, MMA at com. We will be back next week as we head into a two-week lull until UFC 200. Yeah,
0: it's – We're like the people stepping into the desert with no water in sight.
1: But, you know, uh, the MMA world always comes up with news somehow. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a couple of tidbits. Yeah. So that being said, we will be back next week. Thanks so much for checking us out. We'll catch you next time.